Psalm 139. This is such a rich psalm. It speaks of God's omniscience and his omnipresence. Um, Those are just fancy words that speak of God is all-knowing and God is all-powerful. Let's go ahead and um, read the first four verses. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. So the psalmist, we know, uh, is, well, we don't know for sure, but uh, speculatively is David. And we've just gone through 1 Samuel, so we've learned a little bit about the life of David. And David was a man who was constantly in trials, constantly surrounded by enemies, constantly in um, uh, fleeing his enemies. And this um, psalm was written by David, and he's, he's acknowledging God's presence and his work in his life. And though he's surrounded by trials, he stops and he pauses and he writes, he writes this psalm. And this psalm is to, was a psalm that was to be sung in, the, in their, um, it was a, a hymn. And um, it was uh, sung by the, by the people of God. Um, we know a lot of the psalms were sung. A lot of the psalms were, were psalms of praise and worship. And um, the Psalms are the book of poetry. They're uh, Hebrew poetry that's written, to get, written. Some of them are historical. So they're historical narratives where they recount God's miraculous works am- amongst his people. Like, for example, Psalm 103, where God delivers his people and they would... Um, uh, um, cry out to the Lord, and the Lord would uh, heal them and deliver them, and then they would go back into doing the wrong thing again, and they would cry out to the Lord, and the Lord would deliver them. So that, w- that would be a, an example of a historical psalm. And they're, um, they're poetry. So when you read the psalms, you want to understand that um, they are um, concrete truths written in a picturesque way um, they're they're um, they're not abstract but they're they're concrete solid truth relayed to humans in a way that we can connect with that can connect with um, us on a deep level um, a lot of times um, you know we read psalms and we can we can relate to them and, and um, they touch us in our inner um, very core um, you know, so when we do read Psalms like hide me under the shadow of your wings, God is not a giant bird that, you know, that has wings or, but <clears throat> it's a picture of God's protection and it's a picture of nature that we can relate to. So when we read the Psalms, there's a lot of picturesque language, um, that's used. Psalm 139 verse one, the Psalmist begins, uh, O Lord, um, 
You have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down, my rising up. He starts it out. He says, oh, Lord. Um, we, we know that God is the Lord, the Lord of all creation. It's not his name. It's his title. Um, it's who he is. And he's either the master and king of your life, the Lord, or he's not. And the psalmist declares here that you are the Lord. He cries out, oh, Lord. He has a personal relationship with the living God. God is his shepherd, Psalm 23, and God is his Lord. You have searched me and know me. My point number one is uh, God knows me. Psalm 103, verse 14. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are just dust. The knowledge we have of God is different than the knowledge um, that God has for us. Again, God is omniscient. He knows all things. We are finite. Our knowledge has limits and bounds. Um, The Greek word epikinosko is to know by personal experience. To intimately be acquainted with someone or something. And this is the kind of knowledge that we can have with God. To know him through personal experience. John 17, 3. And this is eternal life, Jesus said, that, you may know, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You remember Paul the Apostle in the book of Acts when he recounts his testimony? He is, God has apprehended him. God has gotten a hold of Paul and um, the first words that come out of his mouth are, Who are you, Lord? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. Paul would spend the rest of his life seeking to know the Lord in a personal way. Verse Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 through 9. Now I'm going to go through a lot of scriptures. There's going to be very little commentary and a lot of scripture. So, Don't worry about flipping there in your Bible. I'm going to have it all up on the screen for you, okay? Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. And then Philippians 3.10, that I may know him. Again, it's the gnosko, the experiential knowledge. Not just to know facts about God, but to know him personally. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. And then Paul's prayer to the Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 21 says, for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of God which passes knowledge interesting. To know something that passes knowledge. How do you do that? Well, by God's Spirit, He enables us to know Him. 
that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And then lastly, oh, sorry about that. Second Timothy 1.12. Paul spent his whole life for one goal, one purpose, to know the Lord. He was able to say at the end of his life, For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. So Paul spent his whole life with one goal, one desire, one ambition, to know the Lord. And he was able to say at the end of his life, I know him. I know him. What are some things that God knows about us? Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10. The human heart, and I I did this, the New Living Translation, uh, because I like the way it sounds. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. So God knows. He knows about the human condition. He knows about the human heart. How desperately wicked it can be. Romans 7, 7, 18, Paul writes, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. Um, so God knows about our, 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 our human condition. Verse 3, you know my sitting down um, and my rising up um, in Psalm 139. Um, This speaks of the course of our life. When we sleep, we may forget the Lord, but he doesn't forget us. The Lord never slumbers or sleeps. Isaiah 49, verse 15, can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you, says the Lord. You understand my thoughts afar off, Psalm 139.3. Psalm 121.7-8. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time and forevermore. Nothing's hidden from God. He says, you understand my thoughts afar off. He knows our thoughts. He knows our motives. He knows everything about us. And that could be a scary thing, right? If, if, um, if you were to be able to take a projector and take my thoughts and project them on the screen, um, either you guys would run out of here or I would run out of here because it could be a very, very scary thing. I tell my kids often, you know, every thought that comes into our mind isn't necessarily from God. A bird may fly over your head, but you don't have to let it build a nest there. God knows our thoughts. He knows our, our feelings. He knows our, our futility. He knows our ups, our downs. He knows our worries, our concerns. He knows it all. It's all before him, and he cares deeply. 
Um, you know, one of the things about God is when he looks at us, he sees us through his filter. Um, the filter of Jesus, his son. So he doesn't see us as um, we see ourselves or as other people may perceive us or we may perceive other people, but he sees us through Jesus Christ. Colossians. It says this, For it pleased the Father that in him who in Jesus all the fullness should dwell and by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross, and you, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind, there we have the mind again, by wicked works, yet how he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you, to present me, holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. So when God looks at us, how does he see us? According to this verse. Holy and blameless. That's right. So when God looks at us as children who have been born again, and I'm presuming everybody's been born again here, um, by his spirit, when God looks at us, um, he sees us through that filter. He sees us holy and blameless. And just to back that up, Ephesians 1, 3 through 5. Um, if it turns there. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So, if God sees us that way, how should we live? Um, you know, the world will look at us and say, well, that person's a hypocrite. Do you see that they say they're a Christian and they're out there and they did this and they got angry or whatever. And God sees us and says, that's my child. And, and so he's whole, he or she, they're holy, they're blameless. See, hypocrisy is to act the way you're not, to pretend to be someone you're not. So when we act like the world, and you're a believer, and you're a Christian. You're not being who, you're, who you really are in your character. You're, a, you're a, a born-again believer. You're holy and blameless. So that's how we ought to walk with the Lord. Um, <clears throat> Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And then in verse, verse 4, he says, For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. So what does God know? He knows our thoughts. He knows uh, our sitting down, our rising up. He knows the words that we're going to speak before we even speak them. That can be another dangerous thing too. You know, the book of James, it says this about the, the tongue. It says, Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles? 
and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, on fire by hell. Says, he goes on to talk about how human, mankind can tame every animal under heaven, but can't tame his own tongue. It's, it's, it's able to destroy. And God says, I know the words that you speak before you even speak them. And that's sobering. If God knows what I'm going to say before I say it, you know, sh- shouldn't I weigh my words a little bit more? Shouldn't I think about what I say? You know, there's nothing that can destroy a church, a relationship, uh, um, uh, a marriage, anything quicker than, than words. Words have been known to destroy relationships. So we ought to weigh our words. We ought to be like the psalmist says, Lord, before there's even a word on my tongue, you know it all together. Put a guard over my mouth that I might not sin against you. So point number one, he knows me. He knows you. Point number two, he loves me. He loves me. Psalm 139, 5 through 7. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high, I cannot attain to it. This speaks of God's protection and his blessing, uh, his safety. Uh, we, need, we need God's hedge about us. We need his protection. We need his blessing. Why? Because like David, we're surrounded by an enemy. We have two great enemies. Maybe there's a third, but two that I can think of. The flesh and the devil. Our own sinful nature, right? Paul writes about it in Romans 7. And then the outside forces that are constantly attacking us. Um, And so why do we need God's protection? Why do we need the armor of God? as talked about in Ephesians chapter 6. Because we're in a war. We're in a battle. A battle for our minds. A battle for our hearts. Um, And so we need to realize and we need to stay close to the good shepherd. He's our protector. He's the one that hedges us behind, before, on all sides, has his hand upon us. If we don't stay close to him, we're in danger of drifting. We're in danger of uh, getting ourselves into trouble. Verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain to it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? You got to understand, his, he's just starting to just worship God. He's just exploding in like this. He's, his mind is baffled. Um, ha, have you ever had it where you just, you go out and you look under the stars and you look up into heaven and you just see the stars and, and everything and you just go, wow, I'm humbled. I'm so small. 
I'm so insignificant. I'm, who am I that the Lord would even think of me? You know? And that's how David is. And, and there's been other people in the Bible that have been kind of overwhelmed at, at God's wisdom and his knowledge. Paul writes here in Romans eleven thirty three through 36, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has become his counselor? Who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him? For of him and through him and to him are all things. To whom be glory forever. Amen. So he just, he's just exploding. Oh, the depth of riches, wisdom, and knowledge of God. His ways are unsearchable. Yet, Scripture pleads with us to, to seek him out. To seek the Lord. When we're, when we're confronted with the infinite, we realize how finite we really are. Romans 3.23 We all know this one, right? For all, who? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How how short do we fall of the glory of God? Well, if I was to go outside and say, okay, well, let's, let's have a jumping contest. Let's all try and jump to the moon. You know, I may jump a little higher than my wife. You know, Mike will definitely jump higher than me. He's shaking his head, no. But we all fall way short. There's no way we can get to God except through Jesus Christ. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. And your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me. Even the night shall be light about me. What beautiful poetic language there. I mean, where, 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 where can you go? You can't, you can't escape his presence. So remember Simon Peter? Uh, what, did, what did he say? And this is my next point here. Is, um, he knows me. He loves me. And he's intimately involved in my life. Simon Peter, um, I don't have the slide for it, but he, he answered him, Lord, whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Where, where, am I, where else can I go? And you remember there in Mark fourteen sixty five through 72, Peter goes on to deny the Lord three times. The Lord said, to him, Peter, when the cock crows, uh, you all have denied me three times, and the cock crows, and Peter weeps before the Lord. There, because Jesus was beaten, whipped, scourged, and he realized, man, you know, the Lord loves me. And who am I? Who am I that the Lord would love me?
Hebrews 17, verse 25 says, Therefore he is also able to save, and I get, again, I don't have this slide either. Therefore he is also able to save uh, to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. He's able to save to the uttermost. What does that mean? It means that, you know, the other day I was, I was just thinking, you know, how, how quickly we place judgment on people. We judge them by how they look. I'm talking about myself. I look at someone with tattoos and ear piercings and gauges in their ear, and immediately I get a judgment. But yet, I don't know that person. They may be a beautiful soul. And God's able to see into the heart. He's able to save to the uttermost. Those people that we may think, oh, that guy, there's no hope for him. We may think that about ourselves. I mean, I've, I've been there. But God says, I'm able to save to the uttermost. The least, the lost, the last, the the person on death row, the person on skid row. God's there. He's in prison. He's there with the hurting. He's there with the broken. Those are the people that Jesus came to save, right? He didn't come for the righteous. God's hand is leading and protecting his children, but his hand is against the wicked. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they were all written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. Isaiah 29, 15 through 16 says, Woe to those who seek deep to hide their counsel far from the Lord and their works are in the dark. They say, oh, who sees us? (laughs) Who knows us? Surely you have things turned around. Shall the potter be esteemed as the clay? For shall the thing made say to him who made it, he did not make me? Or shall the thing formed say of him who formed it, he doesn't know, he has no understanding. Again, atheism, practical atheism. Practical atheism is where we say, oh, I believe in God. And if we were to take a poll right now, um, um, 80% of Americans, I believe in God. But do you live like his presence is there in your life? Or are you a practical atheist? You say you believe in God, but you live like God does not exist. The human anatomy. I was thinking about this this week. I'm not a scientist. I'm slid through school with C's, but I'm able to appreciate the <laughs> the depth of the creativity of God. Um, 
you know, I was reading this this week that the human body has 60 different organs, all at work simultaneously. Um, without our consent, without our thinking about it, all these organs are working to preserve and to keep us alive. And, and every one of us, um, it, you know, I don't know if it can be said as, you know, it's a miracle in the sense of God breaking the rules of that he set in motion, but we're all a miracle. Life is a miracle. You know, you think of the human eye. Millions and millions and millions of nerve endings and all the things working together to allow us to be able to see. It's amazing. It's more complicated than any human-made computer on the face of the earth. And we were, right here, we were designed. The Bible says that we were formed in our mother's womb. Before there was even one day, the Lord, the Lord knew us. He is intimately involved in my life. Intimately. He cares about every detail. From the, the time of my conception in my mother's womb to this very day, this very moment, this very breath I'm breathing right now, God cares about it all. And he's involved in the process. Now, deists are those who believe that God just kind of winds up, created the earth, kind of wound it up like a clock and let it go. And whatever happens, happens, but he doesn't really care. But that's not the God of the Bible. That's not our God. Our God is a God that cares, knows, sees, and is intimately involved in his creation. If he wasn't, why did he send his son Jesus? If he didn't care for us, if he didn't love the world, why did he bother going to the cross? Psalm 139, verse 17 and 18. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. Wow. It's amazing. And that's a lot of thoughts. I had a kind of a, a hippie Rastafari friend. He got born again. He started a, a band called uh, Christafari. <laughs> and uh, I, we, were just, we were fellowshipping one day. And I, um, we were talking about this verse. And he was like, bro, I think it's just, I don't think it's like the amount. I think it's just like one giant thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that. I'm like, who knows? Who knows? But he is thinking about us, you know? It's amazing. God God of the universe thinking about us. Hmm. When I first um was courting my wife, I remember getting her a jar of sand from Laguna Beach and writing the scripture on there. Sending it to her. Psalm 56. Oh, nope. Missed a good one. Jeremiah 
29, 11 through 13. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Beautiful. The, the context of the scripture is that Israel was taken into captivity into Babylon. And they're pretty much thinking we're done. God's forgotten us. It's all over. You know, we've abandoned the Lord. The Lord's abandoned us. And God says, you know, not so. I'm not done with you. I love you. I know the thoughts I think towards you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. I have plans for your life. Then you'll call upon me. You'll come and pray to me and you'll, I will listen. Wow. After all that, God's still going to listen. You know, I think of when I was 13, the guy that was ministering to me when I was a young kid, I cursed him out and I took off. And for a year and a half, I went, on, went down my own path. I got into drugs. And a year and a half later, I was walking down the road. It was the only time that God's ever spoken to me in an audible voice. And God said, for, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him won't perish, but have everlasting life. And I took three more steps. I was walking down the street. I wasn't in a church. I was with my friends. And we were doing bad stuff. And I took a few more steps and the Lord spoke to me again and said, today is the day of salvation. If you wait, you may not have another chance. And I was thinking about that and I took a few more steps and the Lord spoke again in an audible voice and said, Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I can even hear the knock and everything. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and dine with you and you with me. So I started praying. I said, Lord, you know, I, I'm, and I, I'm sure it wasn't eloquent, but I was scared. And I started praying and I was like, Lord, I'm, I, come in my heart. Forgive me my sins. I need you. Guess what happened? <laughs> you invite the Lord in. He's going to come in. The Lord came in my life and came into my heart. And then the Lord said, I want you to tell your friends about the decision you just made. I said, oh, Lord, I can't do that. And uh, I took a few more steps. And it was like welling up from my, my innermost stomach. I couldn't hold it back. And I said, I believe in Jesus. <laughs> and my friends looked at me, and one of them started mocking me. Said, You're crazy, blah, blah, blah. And my other friend got quiet. And, um, but that was, that was the start of, 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 of me coming to know the Lord. After all I had done, cursed out my friend that had been pouring his life into me, gone my own way, I went back to his house the next day and I told him what happened. I said, man, I received the Lord. And um, you know what? He welcomed me like nothing happened. Man, 
Wow. The, Lord, the Lord's patient, long-suffering, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. He thinks about everybody. He thinks about the world. Jesus said in um, the Gospels, he said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I long to gather you together as a mother hand gathers her chicks under her wings, but you weren't willing. He wept over Jerusalem. Jesus was passionate about the lost world. That's why he came. Psalm 56 8 says, You number my wanderings. You put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? All our tears, all the nights that we spend up crying. I've, I've shed a lot of tears in my life. I thought something was wrong with me for a while because I, I cried every day uh, when I was in college. I cried to the Lord. It was just crying out, you know. It was a rough time. And to know that all those days of tears, God just, he's holding on to those tears. And they're in his book. Wow. The book of Malachi. 3.16 Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. A book of remembrance is being written. Revelation 21, verse 4. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. How many people have you let touch your face? Your mom? Your wife? Your mom, your wife, your mom, your wife. Yet here, the intimacy of God taking his hand and wiping away every tear. Is this a God that's off in outer space and not involved? No. He's very intimately involved in our lives. When I awake, oh, yep. When I wake, I'm still with you. Um, the psalmist wrote. So, sleep, our thoughts may drift from God. Um, let's be honest. Do we think about God the way he thinks about us? As often as he thinks about us? No. But, his presence never leaves us. Under the new covenant, Jesus says, um, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews 13.5, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Matthew 28, 18-20 in the Great Commission, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. 
Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. Forsake us. And he's with us always. Psalmist writes, when I wake, I'm still with you. His mercies are new every morning. His compassions fail not. Great is his faithfulness. Then he goes into this portion of scripture where he's, he's saying, oh, that you would slay the wicked. And I'm just about at the end here. Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men. For they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. <clears throat> Remember the parable of the wheat and the tares? Um, Matthew um, chapter 13, verse 24 to 27. He says, another parable he put forth saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? And does it not have tares? But he said to them, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want to send to go and gather them up? But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at that time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat in my barn. So we have enemies, just like Paul, David had enemies. How are we to live in this world? Are we to go around blasting our enemies? No, we're to... We're to preach the gospel. We're to share the good news. And we're to leave the results up to God. In the end, when he will gather together the wheat and the tares and separate the believers from the non-believers. It's not our job to go around and judge who's saved and who's not saved. Only the Lord knows. Hebrews 4, 12 through 13. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. And it's the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So we need to, as Paul says in Corinthians, judge ourselves first. Judgment should begin with the house of God lest we be judged. Then, you know, verse 23 and 24, he ends um, by saying, the psalmist ends by saying, and I don't have that one either, but I'll just read it. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So it's a plea for God to examine him, search him. Um, he, he lays his heart out on the table. 
And um, he vulnerably comes to the Lord and says, God, search me and know my heart. Um, See if there's anything in me that's wicked. If there is, turn me away from that and lead me in the way everlasting. We'll close with these remaining scriptures here. Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, never faints, never gets weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary and the young man shall utterly fall. So let's just go ahead and and take time and um, go before the Lord in prayer. This is a time where we pray corporately um, and we bring our petitions and our requests to to God. And um, so I'll start us out and then we'll just um, go into this time. Father, we thank you so much. Lord, that you see, you hear, you know. You love us. You care for us. You care for every detail, every concern, everything that bothers us. Lord, everything that may agitate us, you care about our well-being. You care for our family. You care for our friends care for everything. And Lord, we just want to just tonight just open this time up to you and ask that you'd uh, inhabit this time, Lord. And you would give us an opportunity, Lord, to um, partake in praying and interceding and um, bringing requests to you, being partakers of, of what you're doing on this earth, Lord, through prayer. So we commit this time to you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.